0: Well, i got to say, it has really been a delight, or whatever positive word you want to use, Selma and I have very much enjoyed being with you for these few weeks at Desert Breeze, to really to wind out 2020, what a a year, all the stuff that's happened, the whole COVID thing, which we're still waiting through, I hear now a new wave, new strain of COVID, and they just want to keep the fear coming, you know, so... Sure, good to know Jesus, and the fact that in the end we win, and whatever happens happens. But uh, it is our delight. I uh, just some really great people here at Desert Breeze. It's really been fun to just start to get to know you, and what a privilege to open the Word of God. It always is a privilege to open the Word of God. You know, we—it's inspired, it's authoritative, it's true. It's without air, and when we open it up, there's power here that can change our lives. So it's always, uh, always a privilege to open it together and say, "What does it say? What does it mean to me? What do I do about it?" And uh, and that's what we'll do uh, again today. So thank you for allowing us into your lives for this window, uh, and we just pray God's blessing on you. I think the desert breeze; the future is bright. Uh, it's been a rough year, okay, but I think where you're headed and what comes next, we're looking for. We'll be praying for your church, for your pastor and staff, and, and for you as you move into the future, and uh, good stuff, good stuff ahead. We're, we're, we're counting on it. All right, I'm going to go to a gospel today, gospel of Mark. Weird title today, dirt management for 20. Twenty-one, One of my favorite parables. Now, here's the definition. The ability to accurately receive and interpret messages in the communication process. The ability to accurately receive and interpret messages in the communication. That's listening. Listening. Sometimes I wonder if it's not a lost art or commodity listening my goodness there's so much to listen to there's different types of listening and there's all it's it's a whole just google listening and look at all the stuff that is there I remember being told years ago that God created us with two ears and one mouth but a lot of us use that disproportionately we talk more than we listen And I've discovered, personally, it's very hard to listen while talking. Maybe you got that from your grade school teacher. No talking! Because you you, you can't listen while you're talking. And listening is huge. Uh, In fact, it says in your notes, our capacity to listen will shape our lives significantly. Our capacity. Did, did, Did we listen? Oh, but how we love to talk. And part of the problem of listening is we're already thinking about what we're going to say, and and we miss a lot of stuff. I, I heard it more than once. I've heard it quoted that, and pastors just they just groan at the statistic. But only a fraction of what we hear is retained. That applies not only to church life in general, but for pastors who prepare the Word of God, get ready, and put it to know that when people walk out here, just a little bit went out the door with them. And if you think that may be not right, just think about all the sermons and Bible teaching you've heard and think about how many details you actually walk out and still can remember. It's just kind of the way we are, which is why listening is important, especially When we talk about Scripture in the Bible, it says in your notes in the Gospels, when the Jewish leaders rejected Jesus, he began to teach in parables, and that's what we're going to look at in Mark chapter 4. He would emphasize the need to listen. In fact, in Mark chapter 4, the whole discourse here, there's several parables. We're not going to look at them all this morning, but 12 times Jesus starts out by saying, Listen! Look at me! Right here, listen! I, I don't know if it's just our culture or it's always been this way, but doesn't it seem like people's attention spans, they just keep getting shorter. They're like mosquitoes. And, and so we have to do everything we can to help people stay plugged in. Uh, our attention span is reduced to bumper stickers and, and this little pithy sayings. Because I, I, for me, I market, I grew up with an old TV with a hanger for an antenna and there was no such thing as a remote control. But now, now you sit with your thumb on the remote. Whoever in the room is in control sits with the remote. And if that's boring, click, on the next thing. Don't like that, click, on the next thing. No, click. On the next thing. Our attention, it's harder and harder to listen. So, parables. Because Jesus knew this would be one way to do some interesting things with the truth that he wanted to present. And it says there in your notes a parable draws on something known to teach the unknown, something not understood completely before. But parables are kind of simple, uh, they're interesting, they grab attention, they're easily remembered. They revealed truth to those ready to receive it, and the interesting one here is they concealed truth from those who had rejected Jesus and were unable to listen. Now let me, let me read this parable, I'll just read through it quickly as we get in to chapter 4. It says, and Jesus had a big multitude of people, I don't know how many, but he had a lot of people, including his disciples, they'd gathered to listen to him, and so he, for probably a couple of reasons, got in a boat and shoved just a little ways offshore. One of those reasons had to be a great multitude. They all wanted to get close to him. They had figured out, based on what he had already done, this man has some kind of power, and if you touch him, it might heal you. Who knows? I want to get close. They were pressing him. And if he wanted to, he got in a boat and he got just a little ways offshore. They couldn't gather around him as easily. It also probably helped acoustically to have that that bounce off the water. You know, we live in a day of everything is PA systems. It's the only way to talk to a group of people. But in Jesus' day, don't PA. But the water probably helped. I'm thinking Jesus had a big voice. I don't know. Wouldn't you love to hear it? Just a little bit of it? But to speak to these multitudes outside, that takes a big voice. Anyway, he's in the boat, just a little ways offshore, and it says he began to teach he taught them in parables. Here's the parable, verse 3. First word, listen. behold, the sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground uh, where it did not have much earth, and it immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, and he finishes like he started, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he starts with listen, and he finishes with listen. Because Jesus knows about attention spans, and Jesus knows we don't always catch everything and and really get a hold of what's being uh, communicated. And he was a master teacher. That's why he taught with word pictures, stories, and parables. So here, here he is teaching in parables. And the interesting thing, I said parables also conceal truth from those who had rejected Jesus and were unable to listen. I don't know how that hits you. When I first read that years ago, I thought, why would Jesus want to conceal truth? Isn't he there to proclaim who he is and proclaim salvation? Whoever believes in me has everlasting. Why would you want to conceal truth? Well, Jesus, as he explains parables to his disciples, kind of gives a very important reason, and he does so by quoting the prophet Isaiah. In verse 10 it says, when he was alone... Those around him and the 12, so most of the multitude had moved off. They were probably talking about what did that, what, 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 sower, seed, what. So there was a group that gathered around him and they asked him about the parable. Verse 11, he said, Well, to you it's been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, and that's important, all things come in parables, so that, and now he quotes Isaiah. Seeing, they may not; they may see and not perceive. Hearing, they may hear and not understand. Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Doesn't that sound harsh? Well, if you understand the context of Isaiah and what's going on, it's like, oh, okay. Because the prophet Isaiah had a very parallel situation. Israel had turned their back on God. Their hearts were hard. They weren't listening. And as a result, God pronounced judgment through a lot of those prophets, and they were, both the north and the southern king, they were hauled off into, they would not listen, they would not repent, seeing they may see and not perceive, because my judgment is coming, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn. There's a point of hardness at which it it was over, it was over. Since they reject the truth of Jesus, they'll not be granted more truth leading to repentance. Now, when I say it's over, understand, I believe with all my heart that anyone, no matter how hard, at any point is able to turn in faith to Jesus Christ and be saved. But at this point, for the purposes of God and history, Israel, their hard heart, God judged them. Israel again, centuries later in the New Testament. You go back to chapter 3, the Pharisees had already gotten together to find out how they could destroy Jesus. They'd already said, he's of the devil. It's wrong. We don't believe it. All right. They'd hardened their hearts. So Jesus said, okay, the same kind of judgment in a different way is going to happen to Israel. He went on later, in the, especially the Gospel of Matthew, to predict, here's what's going to happen to that beautiful temple. Not one stone will be left on another. Judgment is coming. And it happened in AD 70 when the Romans came in and And raised it. And to this day, you can see the stones down on the bottom that were thrown down all those centuries ago. Judgment's coming, and it's not going to go backwards. So the important thing is when a person is given truth, it's important to respond to the truth given. And Jesus said, why give more truth? Why keep trying to prove this and this? And when they have not responded to the truth they have, so no more truths are going to be given, I'm going to speak in parables. It's a fascinating piece of this whole thing about parables. So that's what happened. I love this next part. It says, and he said to them, they gathered around him, do you not understand the parable? Really? You don't get it? And I would, wouldn't you love to see their facial expressions? Because the disciples of Jesus were the ones that had committed to follow him. And they'd watched him perform miracles already. They'd heard his teaching. But this parable, I'm thinking they didn't quite get it. I'd love to see the facial expressions as Jesus is talking about seed and different types of dirt and uh, and production, and they're looking. I, I'm thinking maybe Bartholomew was looking over at Peter and John, going, "Do they get it?" Because I'm not sure I get it, but I don't want to be the one to say I don't get it. You know how that is when you think everyone else gets it and you don't get it. And so Jesus says, "You don't understand the parable." And no one said, "No, we don't understand it." They all just kind of, you know. I would love to have seen their facial expressions. How are you going to understand all parables? Which kind of tells us this parable is a bit of a template on how to interpret and understand parables. How are you going to understand? So he starts right in to the explanation to his disciples, and that's what I want to look at for a few moments with you. It's a familiar parable. It's a familiar parable. Now, we're called a lot of things in Scripture with the word pictures of the teaching of Paul and Peter and Jesus. We're called branches in John 15. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You're a branch. But see, we understand what he means as he talks about branches have got to stay connected to the vine to be productive. It's about abiding in Christ. We're called sheep. Of course, we're called sheep, which is not exactly complimentary because sheep are not very high on the intelligence bowl. Sheep follow. Sheep have to be shown where to eat. Sheep have to be, you know, taken care of and protected. All we like sheep have the same tendencies, and that's to go astray and go our own way. We're called sheep. We're called stones by Peter. Living stones that are being placed in a building to the glory of God. Well, here in Mark chapter 4, you and I are called dirt. How does that make you feel? Happy New Year to you, too. This parable is about, more appropriately, soil. And i got to tell you, there's, soil is different everywhere you go. I, I grew up, spent a good part of my life in the Pacific Northwest where it rains a lot. There's always moisture in the ground. It is green, green, green. Trees are huge. Everything is green, green, All even in winter. Summer stays, well, the lawn burns up, but the green in Oregon. In fact, when Selma and I first came down to Phoenix a number of years ago, I remember it was one of those days when you could see, it wasn't raining. In Oregon, we took off out of Portland International Airport, and it was just like a carpet of green. As you take off, here's the Columbia River, green over in Washington, green in Oregon. You get higher, oh, mountains, lake, just trees as far as you can see. It's like, oh, wow. Even Eugene, Oregon, is called the Emerald City, not Wizard of Oz. That's what they call it, is green, 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 green. So then we get up above the cloud layer, down to Phoenix, we come down where there is no cloud layer, and I remember looking out the window, and this isn't the nicest thing to say, it was my initial reaction, I looked out the window and I said, it looks like a burnt skillet down there. There was hardly any green. Well, if you've flown into Phoenix, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, why? Well, moisture's a big part of it, soil is another. It's taken us years to figure out the big differences in flora and fauna between the Northwest and the Southwest. Things grow different. The soil is different. Different nutrients, different. I didn't know that there was such a thing as a drip system. See, in Oregon, it's built in. It just drips all the time from heaven. But you come to Phoenix, you got to put in all those lines. You got to make sure they're not leaking. You got to make sure you got to. Different soil, different dirt. So, so here we go. Well, let's see, what do we want to do? Okay, here we go, verse 13. Do you not know, do you not? Here it is, verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Wow. So we're talking about people. The seed is the word. Nothing wrong with the seed. Nothing wrong with the seed can't blame the seed. The sower, he's just doing what he does. He's broadcasting seed. It's all about the soil. This really appropriately should be called the parable of the soils. It's about the soil. Now, I have to say something here, and I don't want to offend anybody, and you're free to disagree with me even if I'm right. (laughs) We have a tendency as evangelicals to make almost everything about salvation. We tend to read this parable. This, I, I, I say this because I'm guilty of this and I remember being taught this as a young man. You're looking at hard soil. You're looking at stony soil. You're looking at thorny soil and you're looking at good soil. And the first thing we want to do is determine who is saved and who is not saved in this parable. Well, clearly The hard soil, the seed is snatched away by Satan. Those people aren't saved. And what about the stony ground? Well, there's no root. Nothing sticks. There's no fruit. They can't be saved. And what about the the thorny ground? Oh, these people are more interested in other things in the world than they are about. I'm not sure they're saved. Maybe, but I don't think so. Good soil? Okay. Now, can I just stop that train? This parable is not about salvation. The point of the parable, and every parable has primarily one point. We don't want to make them get up on their legs and crawl by trying to interpret every little piece of the parable. This is not about who's saved and who's not saved. It's not. It's not what Jesus is talking about. He came preaching the kingdom of God and what it's like, and he's giving principles for kingdom living. He's not talking about who's saved and who's not saved, but that's where we tend to go. How many times have you thought watching a person in his lifestyle, I wonder if that person is saved. I just want to remind you that there's not one place in scripture that tells us our responsibility is to determine who is saved and who is not saved. Not our responsibility. God looks at the heart. We look at the outside. Now we can look at the outside and say, whoa, he's got that bad habit, he's got that sin problem. That may be a matter of being in fellowship with God, but it doesn't mean you're saved or not saved. And we are guilty. The church in America is guilty. of. We're going to determine who's saved and who's not saved. No! Nor is this parable about that. Okay, I've hit that hard enough. Let's, let's, let's kind of move on. Hard ground, hard hearts, and Satan is instrumental in it. How does a heart get hard? Oh, there's all kinds of ways. And maybe it's just by all of the distraction and the things going on around us. Maybe, maybe it's by other poor examples. I've been in a lot of churches over the years. I grew up in church. I grew up, I was born into the cradle roll of a large church in Portland, Oregon. I grew up in that church. We went to other churches. I've seen church. I went to every VBS, every Sunday school class, Bible camp in the summer, and I went, church, church, church. I've been in all my life, I've been in church. And I got to tell you, the problem with church is there's people in it. (laughs) We're people and we have issues. And it's not like we check them at the door just because we now become part of a church. So what do people do? What's the number one reason pastors here that people will not come to church? The church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of people. And people are not perfect. Church people are not perfect. Do I need to prove this? I don't think so. So... Maybe I just look at other Christians and go, oh, wow, if that's what a Christian is. And it's just one little piece of a heart hardening and being non receptive to truth. Maybe it's a heart. Now, here's the thing about these soils. When I say it's not about salvation, I believe that any one of us as a follower of Jesus at any point in our life can be any one of these soils. Just because we believe in Jesus and we know we're going to heaven doesn't mean we cannot be entangled in sin. Paul, t- Paul talks about it in several places. In Romans chapter 7, he says, man, this is a struggle. The things that I know I should do, I don't do those things. Instead, I do the things that, ah, I get pulled over here. Why do I do this? What a wretched person I am. I can't. This is called Christian living. It's a tug of war between the flesh that wants to default to sin and the new man and dwelt with the Holy Spirit that has broken the power of sin, that knows this is how I please Jesus. It's And we don't always win. We sin. How about that? And John says, and if we say we have no sin, his truth is not in us. So any one of us can become hard ground by just getting bored with truth, by not receiving truth. By getting involved in things we know as believers, probably not the healthiest activity for me. I need to make a change. We can just slide into all kinds of attitudes, misconceptions, and our heart can harden. Paul says in Ephesians, beware of the deceitfulness of sin because the effect is a hard heart. He's speaking to believers. Part of the reason I believe that any of these soils can be any one of us at any given time. Hard ground. Poor examples. Stony ground. These are all kind of similar but different. This is a root issue. This is where spiritual progress is stalled. Roots are essential to intake water, to intake minerals. Roots, No roots, no growth. So what does Paul say here? These likewise are the ones who are on stony ground whom when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Oh, it's great, praise God, I think that's wonderful. But they have no root, and so they endure only for a short time. Well, they must not be Christian. Don't go there. Not about whether they're believers or not. You and I can live our lives in such a way that the rocks are there, whether we're even aware of it or not, and our spiritual growth is slowed down. And the question I've asked before... (coughs) I'll ask again, is your life today as we finish out 2010, 2020, I'm always a little behind. (laughs) As we finish out 2020, is your relationship to Jesus Christ better, deeper, more exciting than it was at the end of 2019 or three, five years ago, one, whatever? Do you see spiritual progress in your own life? or is everything the same? Come to the same church, sit in the same seat, sing the same songs, listen to the same messages. Is anything happening? Because the whole name of the game as followers of Jesus is that we deepen our faith. We get closer to Jesus. We love him more. Our lives are being transformed. It's the process theologians call it sanctification. It's a process. It has ups and downs, but the goal is to go deeper and higher with Jesus. And if we are in the exact same place, it's time to check our dirt. Could be rocky. Could be thorny. Could be hard. Thorny ground. That's the next one. This is a cluttered life where spiritual growth is throttled. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word. But the cares of this word, all these distractions, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in, choke the word. It becomes much lower on our priority list and therefore no fruit, no production. The seed can't get going. This can be any believer at any time. Oh my goodness! How many distractions are there in our lives living in the United States of America in 2020, almost 2021? How many distractions are there? Whew. So many things can grab our and make us worry worry is so it's wonderful i i have to remind people sometimes worry is not a spiritual gift because it's the one they seem to you know display them on. what's going to what's going to happen to our country if if politically everything shifts to the, let's worry about that that's going to really make things better isn't it what's going to happen to the stock market what about my money i'm trying to save my money there's so many things that can just stall spiritual progress because our attention is here, not there. It it happens so simply. Sometimes I slap myself and think, what am I thinking? What do we need to do? We need to evaluate and cultivate the soil of our own hearts. And here's the thing. Parable of the soils, it doesn't tell you. So how do you get rid of the rocks? And how do you get rid of the thorns? And how do you, we don't need the explanation. We know there's changes that need to be made if we're gonna progress with Jesus. Well, can't I just say, God, clean out my soil? No, we're responsible for this. It's our dirt. it's our heart, it's our relationship to Jesus, and we direct, yep, we ask for help, certainly, and it's the Holy Spirit within us, but we make the choice: Are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit? Are we going to listen, or are we going to do what comes natural and everyone else is doing and just do our thing, and not even aware that our dirt is rocky and thorny and hard and non-productive? Which is not what Jesus wants from any one of us. The name of the game is production. And so here's, and somehow in your notes it got left out. In this digital age, things happen, but I think it's up on the good ground. We got good ground? We got good ground. Sorry it's not in your notes, but oh well. You you can see it in your Bible, and that's more important. These are the people that receive truth and apply truth. These are people that are listening and take to heart God's truth, God's principles in His Word. Then they change. And what's interesting here, here's here's the passage, but these are the ones sown on good ground Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. And then it says some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. So even among those who are good soil, there's a variance of production because there's a variance of soil. And that's on us. How do we fertilize it? We spend time with God. How do we get the rocks out? We do what Paul commands us to do. We put off the old and we put on the new. We determine to follow Jesus, no turning back. And that means we make decisions that are not always easy in life because I want to do this. But, uh. So I'd love to end 2020 with a dirt check for each one of us because moving ahead in tw- is such a great time to do it. It's just a calendar, I understand that, but such a good time to just kind of evaluate a few things in life. And that's what I'm asking How's your soil? The soil of your soul. And the problem with parables like this, this one in particular, it's just my knee-jerk reaction is to think of 15 people that really need to check their soil. (laughs) It's not where we're going this morning. These truths are to be taken personally and individually. How's my heart? You know, you, and don't look at each other, but you could be sitting next to your spouse right now thinking, I just hope my spouse gets it. No, that's not a good sign. That if you're thinking about somebody else, that means you're not listening. And Jesus says, Listen. What's your heart like? So I'll remind you in your notes there what the parable is not about. Is salvation. We're not talking about who's saved and who's not saved. What application would that have for us anyway? What the parable is about is receptivity, life management. And it doesn't give us a list of take these steps, do these three things, five things here for a better, it doesn't do all that. It just says, Some soil has rocks in it. Some soil is hard as a rock. Some soil is thorny. Some soil and receives and produces. How hard is that to get? And I believe God calls us to check our hearts on a regular basis. Check the soil. We are the managers and cultivators of our own hearts. We don't wait for God to somehow from heaven go, and now everything, you know, we cultivate. We make the decisions every day that are gonna move us closer to Jesus or keep us from moving closer to Jesus. Those are our calls. Those are our decisions. It's our responsibility. Wouldn't it be great if it wasn't? Wouldn't it be great if we just say, God, change me, and poof, we glow in the dark. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Sanctification is a day-by-day process wherein day-by-day, we either choose Jesus or we choose whatever selfish thing interests us in the moment. And over time, the productivity of loving him more, following him more closely, it'll show itself, maybe 30%. You know, I think most pastors would be thrilled if their people were even, even a 30%, because at least we're moving in the right direction. 30, 60, 100, or nothing. Which is altogether possible for a believer to just be the same, same thing. First church I pastored, I used to ask, what's God done in your life? I was amazed. Almost every story was a salvation story that happened 25 years ago, 35 years ago, 50 years ago. Well, I came to Jesus when I... So I had to change the question and say, what has God done in your life this week? What have you learned? What has He shown you? And it would get remarkably quiet. Which told me that maybe there needed to be some dirt checking going on. Because they couldn't even think of any progress in their own life that was being made. The parable' is not about salvation, it's about life management, it's about receptivity. And here's the last two statements: The condition of the soil determines the potential for growth. That's what I've been saying the whole time here. The condition of your heart will determine the potential for spiritual growth and advancement in Jesus. And Jesus says, are you listening? Listen, listen. Receive truth. Receive the truth. Not so that you can analyze it and determine if theologically this is a correct point. No. Hear God's principles. Let them soak in. Because God's word in your heart, that is where it should be, will produce. What does that look like? Oh, it can look like all kinds of things. Changes in attitude, changes in, uh, I got to tell you, we historically have not been good. I have a feeling the Desert Breeze is good at this, but historically as a church, we've not been good. Years ago, I remember seeing a a man come to, he was a crusty, uh, rough, around the edges guy up in Oregon, put his faith in Jesus. It was the coolest thing to watch all this happen. And one of the things I do when someone's at that point, I say, now, Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to pray out loud and just thank God for what He's done for you. And you you know this for a brand new believer, one of the scariest things to do is to pray out loud with other people listening. (laughs) What if you offend God or say the wrong thing? Or don't you know, if they've been around at all, they know that we kind of have a cultural prayer thing. The way you pray, you've got to be able to say it right. And praying in public is, yeah. So, I. I just get him started right away. Well, this guy, he looked at me like, mm-hmm. so I just said, so just thank God for your salvation. You know, uh, ask him for the strength and direction to grow in him. I just a real simple stuff. There you go, God, I'm going to need some blankety blank help to get this thing. He just. He started throwing out words, and I went, "Whoa!" You know, I—I I didn't say in my inside. I was going, "Whoa!" Outside, I was going, "Yes, God." <laughs> and here's the thing. here's the thing. People are at all different stages in their walk with Jesus, and when they're brand new, you get brand new. You got to know they got all kinds of issues and baggage they bring with. They've been apart from Christ. They've been dead. And now all of a sudden they're in Christ and the Holy, it takes time for that. to grow. You plant seed, it's not like tomorrow. Oh, there it is. No, it takes time to grow, all of us. And one of the things about church is uh, if you've been in church all your life like me, you, oh yeah, we, we know the church culture. Someone new comes in, well, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got issues. Of course they've got issues. One of the joys is watching people, watching the Holy Spirit work on people so that they are moving this way in Jesus. Not because we have church rules. You can't do that in here. We don't do that as Christians. Oh, let God do His work. And that's what I'm talking about, moving closer to Jesus. Some are at the very beginning. Some are a year in, five years in. 40 years in, you know what I find? It's often the ones that are 40 years in or plus that have kind of plateaued like, oh, I got this. It should never stop no matter how long you've known Jesus. You can always go deeper. He can always do more of a work in your life. But your heart has to be receptive to his truth. And if you've heard it all before, that's just one of the hardening things. Got it. And you hear his truth and it's like... Our hearts have to be receptive. Good ground. The condition of the soil determines the potential for growth. And here's the last one, to be effective. This is the point of the whole thing. To be effective, truth must be received. That involves listening with an open mind and heart to whatever truth God has for you. The world will try to distract us from listening. The world will try to harden us because of, oh, the hypocrisy. And I just heard another pastor ran off with his secretary. And I... Sin is a reality we live with. That doesn't mean we stop growing in Jesus. A receptive heart to God's truth produces... So in a minute, I'm just going to ask you to think about your heart as we close out a year. This is the last weekend of the last deal. Next week, new series, new year, away we go. Great time to think about your heart, the condition of your soul. Whether it's rocky, thorny, you know, you know, you know, it's not like this is where the Holy Spirit can really do some good stuff. It's not like someone has to point a finger at you and say, you, you got a problem. That's not what we do as church. But right now, I wonder if you'd just bow your head, and and I'm going to ask you to speak in the silence of your heart to God and ask him to reveal to you, to help you know. Have you got some rocks in there? Because sometimes they can be there and you don't even know it. You just wonder, how come I'm not growing spiritually While, while ignoring what's in your dirt? Have I got rocks in there? Have I I allowed weed seed to work its way in so that the wrong stuff is popping? Am I hard? Am I bored with your word, with church, with the whole thing? Is it boring? Would I rather stay home and watch football? Ask God to reveal to you what's going on right now. Then you just talk to him. Lord, I want to be at least a thirty percent, or maybe, maybe sixty, maybe. Lord, I, I just want to be productive for you. You speak to him, and in just a moment, I'll I'll pull it back together in prayer. Lord, not one of us sitting here this morning is perfect or even close. But we don't want to be those people knowing that we struggle with sin. We all do. We don't want to be those people that either sweep it under the rug or ignore it and and allow our hearts to become harder or stony or thorny We want to remain receptive to you. I pray, Father, that even in this moment and and as we finish out a year, that your Holy Spirit would have free reign in our hearts. Help us see what needs to change. And Father, just make it plain to us we either are moving ahead and closer to Jesus or we're not because of the things that have snuck in or that we've allowed to sneak into our lives. Father, may right now even be a decision point for any number of us that just need to do a little soil conditioning. Because ultimately, we want to be used of you. We want to be useful to you. So do your work in our hearts. Show us what needs to change and give us the courage to follow through. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll promise you this. If you're able to, on a regular basis, do that heart check. You know, it's so easy to talk about somebody else. Do a personal heart check. I think you're going to have one of the best 2021s possible. And when you get to the end of the year, you'll be able to look back and say, wow. Wow. I did some work in myself. Not all of it was easy. Some of it was even painful. But, oh, man, I'd much rather be where I am because I was receptive to his truth. I listened to what God had to say to me. All right? All right, well, once again, I'm going to say thank you for letting us to be here. And I want to invite, I'm looking for him. Is Pastor Ray in the room? He's right there. Come on up here, Pastor Ray. I just want to say just a couple of things. Uh, as our, our last week, Selma and I, Selma's back here. We have really enjoyed being a small part of your church for a, for a little window. You've got great people here that not only love Jesus, but they have made us feel so welcome. That's it's cool. just been a delight to thank be you with you. You've got good folks here. Yeah,
1: thank you. Well, Thank you very much.
0: That, I think that speaks to leadership here at uh, Desert Breeze, and uh, this kind of people and this kind of hard attitude, you know, 30 years you've invested here, and uh, some good stuff going on. Thank you. And secondly, I just want to encourage you as you move into the future, you, it, it has been a rough year oh, it's yeah. been, it's for, for a lot of people, <laughs> but for Desert Breeze, to you've got your least. own story here. Yes, Next week, you start a new year. What a great time to drive a stake in the ground and say, let's look forward to what God has for us. I can only believe, and Selma and That's I will right. be praying. Right. We'll be praying for you and your wife, your staff, your church, that God just takes this place and makes it ever more productive, ultimately for His glory, that people come to faith in Jesus, that they grow in Jesus. Yes. And, uh, Amen. By the way, welcome back. The Desert Thank Breeze you. Church. Thank you so
1: much. Yeah. God bless you. And let me just say to uh, so Pastor Jim Bull, he has been fantastic. That he has spoken to our hearts. Yes. Praise God. My wife and I, when we were the first weekend, he was up here teaching. We were headed out of town. We listened to him, and we looked at each other, and we just were delightful. We said, this is the guy that we need for such a time as this. And so, thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the inspiration. Thank you for the motivation. Thank you for pointing us to Jesus. You are the perfect guy for this job. I, I don't know about perfect. 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 Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, you guys, uh, I, we, we're going to be very interested to watch what happens to Desert Breeze Church. You're you're in a good place, and as this year unfolds and on into the future, we just pray God's richest blessing on all of you as you uh, learn to keep that heart check working and keep following Jesus, and it's gonna be fun to watch. So let me ask you, I think it's appropriate, why don't you all stand with us, and I'm gonna ask Pastor Ray if he would just kind of wind up the morning, and a blessing on Desert Breeze Church, and
1: thanks to God. Thank you. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God, for your steadfast love is better than life. And we've had opportunity today to to bask in your love and in your truth. And so, God, we thank you for Pastor Jim Bull and his wife Selma and their family. We pray blessing upon them. As they have blessed us, we pray blessing upon them. The Lord bless them and keep them. And, God, your face shine upon them. And, God, as we head into the future as as the DB family, Lord, uh, we we echo the words uh, found in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. One thing we do is forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead. We press on for the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus for what you have in store for us in 2021. And God, we, we thank you for the promises found in Jeremiah 29, 11, and 13. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so God, I pray that we would be a people that seek you with all of our heart, that the soil of our hearts would be open and receptive to your word. And, and, and God... As we are receiving your word week in and week out, day by day, that your truth would bring a freedom into our lives in 2021, unlike we've ever experienced mm, before. Right. For your glory, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.
0: Thank you. Have a great new year.